Hello to the Cool Sora Collective. I hope you are having a fabulous day. Shout out to all the cool bras and cool people who just clicked and downloaded this episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We sure enough appreciate you. Hey, I need y'all to leave me a review on iTunes, okay? Or you can do it right on the iTunes app. Give us a five-star review because I would love to read your comment. That's right. You can be the fan of the week. So leave us a comment. We sure would love to shout you out. Today, we are joined by a cool sore of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, Stacy L. Holman. And she is a filmmaker, producer, and I'm so happy for you to see uh, some of her latest work. Of course, uh, she was one of the producers on a brand new documentary, which premieres on PBS February the 19th. And it's called Tell Them We Are Rising, the story of black colleges and universities. And I've had a chance to take a sneak peek at it. And it is nothing short of incredible. So Stacy will talk about her time at Dillard, her time at NYU, the unprecedented Tisch School of the Arts in New York, and just all of her work and what she has been able to do and what she is continuing to do and what she will do in the future. Love, love, love the spirit of this woman and the fact that she is telling our stories. So without further ado, here is Stacy L. Holman and tell them we are rising. Enjoy. You know you gotta be a cool soror to talk to the cool soror herself. I'm a cool soror. Hey y'all. I am a cool soror of What's up y'all? I'm a cool soror of Hi, I am a cool soror of podcast hosted by me Rashawn Ali. It is another edition of the Cool Sore podcast and I'm so very excited to have this amazing woman on the show with us today, Stacy O'Holman, and you are a cool sore of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority. Yay. Hey, well welcome to the show. How are you, Stacy? I'm good, Rashawn. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this. It's great to uh, connect with you. Abs- via podcast. Absolutely. Um, I'm really excited just to to talk to you about all of your, your recent projects and <clears throat> just to tell everybody your amazing story. I mean, I would call you a content creator, visionary, filmmaker, producer. Uh, you have done so much um, and I'm just so very happy. Let's talk about uh, you know, all the way from Shaker Heights, Ohio. Where is that? Yes. Shaker Heights is a suburb right outside Cleveland. Okay. Um, literally, they're, they're neighbors. And it's known because it was, good thing was back in the 60s, 50s, maybe a little bit earlier. It was known for one of those communities that was very diverse, mm-hmm. where you had blacks and whites, you had Jews, you had Christians, you had Protestants, Episcop- you had all these different kind of uh um, demographics living together and you know harmony. I guess you could say it was you know what Martin Luther King talked about when right. I have his speech. But um, you know it was very unique and um, and also to the education system was, was known as being you know, very well or yeah. doing you know a great educational system. So um, so yeah, that's that's good old Shaker Heights. Yeah. Did you think it like just being brought up or being raised in a, in a town like that, that you think that that just kind of helped you with understanding diversity and inclusivity? 
Um, to a degree, but I really think, I mean, it wasn't until I left Shaker and I went to Dillard in New Orleans, um, that I really, I think really appreciated just, um, it in a different way, but also too saw some of the shortcomings of it as well. Okay. Okay. Um, and, um, and it's sometimes, I think it's, it was, you know, you have some amazing friends, my best friends, um, my childhood best friends are there, but I think there was also to this sense of a bubble that, uh, Shaker had in terms of when it came to race. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because growing up, I was part of this organization called SCORE, Student Group on Race Relations. And it was founded because a lot of people found that once they got to high school or even junior high, they were no longer friends with their white friends or they're no longer friends with their black friends. And um, and it's true. You know, it's uh, happened to me, even though I was a part of the group. Um, but, you know, it's it was very eye opening, but also to kind of uh, some smoke and mirrors at times, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So what made you choose Dillard? I mean, you here you are in Shaker Heights. Um, what mm-hmm. what attracted you to Dillard? Well, at the time, um, Spike Lee was coming out or had come out with school day. Oh, yes. <laughs> so it was like the heyday of Spike movies. So you know, everyone and their mother was going to see it. And a lot of my friends were all going to HBCUs, a lot of the upperclassmen like a year ahead of me, they were either going to Howard, they were going to Morehouse, they were going to um, Hampton. And those were interesting, but I wanted something a little bit off the beaten path. And yeah. my dad had mentioned Dillard to me and I went down to visit. Um, we drove actually, ironically, um, going there. I have four, there's three of us. I mean, four siblings all together. Mm-hmm. I'm the youngest. Okay. Of the four. And my parents were really encouraging me about going to an HBCU. Um, my mom didn't go. My dad went to Fisk for a year, which he talks about more than his time at OU. Um, <laughs> my stepmother went to Cheney. So it was this really this kind of HBCU whispering going on yeah. in my ear. So when I got to Dillard, I just was like, I felt at home. I mean, it looks like a big plantation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you've been down there. I haven't, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beaut- it's one of the pretty and I'm not saying because I've went there, but right. it's one of the prettiest black colleges or colleges I've you know I've ever seen. But it's yeah. these beautiful white buildings, but it looks like a big old plantation, but it's plantation <laughs> run by black people. So okay. I mean, that that look doesn't make it so bad. Yeah. Um but I just felt at home and I just was like, Okay, I'm gonna go here. So I applied there at another school. Um, and when I got my acceptance letter, I was like, okay, I'm going. My mom was like, well, why don't you wait to hear from another school? And I'm like, I heard from the school I wanted to hear from, which was Dillard. So, and it was, it was life changing and it was just, it was such a gift to, to go there and to, you know, live in New Orleans for four years. Oh yeah. I know that was, I love New Orleans. I just love to visit and eat and and drink and just have a fun time when I'm there. Uh, if I stayed there, I'd probably be big as a house. Right oh, now. we all would. I love <laughs> New Orleans. I, char, what is it? Char grilled uh, oysters. Uh, char broiled oh, oysters. Yeah. Crawfish etouffee. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, you're making me hungry. <laughs> I know all that good stuff. All that good stuff. So you majored in communications. Did you always know that you wanted to uh, become a filmmaker, or what was the first thought when you said, "Okay, I'm going to major in communications"? Was it radio, TV? What was it? It was more so like 
it was very general. I mean, it was not even radio. It was more so television. Okay. Um, I, you know, I, the, the ironic part is a lot of the stuff that I did in terms of my projects had like a documentary feel to it. Okay. Um, but I definitely was, and it wasn't so much, I think we had, one time they were trying to do like a Dillard TV station uh-huh. and I was briefly on camera and I was just not good whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I minored in speech and drama, so, but I realized, like, as the semesters went on and the years went on, I was like, okay, I, I felt really more comfortable behind the scenes mm-hmm. and creating stuff and um, just felt natural for me. Um, and, yeah, so that was kind of how I just settled into it. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't, I knew I had to go to grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't know, like, kind of where I was going. I was like, I guess I'll do communications, you know, but it was like my dad, you know, we had to go to college. That was of course. at birth. By the time we were in junior high, it's like, okay, you got to go to grad school. So I was like, all right. So I know I have to do that. So right. it was like, well, you know, look at TV or communications for that, but that later changed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when did you say, I got to do the film thing. And was it that you applied to different schools or you knew Tish was the one for you at NYU? It really, it was a God moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And God really laid on my heart. Um, I didn't know I was applying to like some schools. I knew I wanted to to go back up North and I always loved New York. Always loved my brother went to law school there. He hated New York, but I love New York. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I've got to go here. And my best friend, she was, we both were going to live there and she was there finishing up her studies at Parsons. Um, but literally it's something that, you know, that still small voice that you have. And it's just like apply to NYU. And I'm like, where is this voice coming from? You know, Mm -hmm. like, Uh Did not know that NYU was a top film school at the time. Did not know that they only accepted, I think, like maybe 30 students a semester. Did not know any of that. And sometimes that's good when you don't know certain things. Of course. Talk yourself out of it. Yeah. And I did have this one moment where I was getting my, um, and you did communications, right? Uh Yes. Broadcast journalism, same thing. Yeah. So, you know, this was back in the day where there was like, everything was, um, Online, like you had to edit mm-hmm. shot shot, and if you messed up, you had to go back. Yes, you know, non-linear. It was linear, I think it was. Yes, yes, yes. So that's how I had to put my reel together. Oh, I get it. It was, it was like, yeah, it was a lot of work. And I remember one of my friends at the time, he's helping me, and I'm just like had that real that shadow of doubt, and I was like, you know, should I be doing this? And he's like, yeah, you should. So. In faith, I applied. Um, I got called for an interview up to New York. It was the worst Rashawn interview I've ever had in my life. Like, I was about to walk out in tears. Really? What made it so bad? Well, there was two men and a woman, and one woman. And the guys, like, I felt like we were, like, connecting with what I was saying. I was telling them what I wanted to do, you know, what my, 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 my vision was as a filmmaker, why I love film, why I love NYU. And she's just sitting there looking at me like, mm. <laughs> like just, she wasn't giving me any read whatsoever, right. but she was giving me a read, like not impressed. Mm-hmm. The one, the few times she did speak was toward the end. And she's like, um, well, you know, you went to school in New Orleans, you know, and someone else went to school. At, uh, it was, I think it was, um, I can't remember. It wasn't Tulane. It was Loyola. And they worked on this production, that production. Why didn't you work on those productions? And I'm like, oh, you know, cricket. And then yeah. she's like, 
it seems, I mean, she just, she just read me like really hard. Uh-huh. I was about to, I mean, I literally was like almost in tears when I walked out of there, but then it began that, you know, that Holy Spirit was like, okay, now you don't have time to cry. Right. <laughs> you have to get into the school. And she actually said, would you be willing to come and do a summer course? And I was like, yes. So mm-hmm. turns out she was like a real champion in the end because I went back to my, um, staying at my girlfriend's house and uh, her apartment and went back, made all the phone calls, you know, told my parents what I needed, you know, I needed help to do, what it needed to happen, um, got into the summer program. Um, I don't even know if that happened first, but actually I got into the program. So yeah. like, huh, I'm there. So yes. then I found all the crazy stuff once I got there. Once <laughs> I got accepted, it was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so what was so crazy? I know you probably have so many moments and so many things that happened, but what, what made it so crazy? I mean, I think it just, you mean being accepted or just my experience? The experience, yeah. Well, I think it's it's crazy because it's like something you wanted. Yeah. And it's like it's coming true. And um, and it's also scary, too, because it's like, oh, wow, I'm here now. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you're meeting just so many different people. And it was ironic that our class was the most diverse class ever at NYU. I mean, mm-hmm. it's predominantly white male. Um, but we literally could have a mini UN. I mean, there were so many backgrounds, people from India, people from like Asia, India, people from, you know, someone from Korea, mm-hmm. someone, you know, from all the different coasts, um, from London. I mean, and, um, and just, you know, connecting with a lot of these people, um, some of, you know, all of, a lot of us are doing some really incredible work. Um, right. One has actually, this is where I name drop to show people. Yes, just, please go ahead. <laughs> um, this is the funny thing. I went to school with two people, one person named Morgan Freeman, who oh, is white, and another person um, that won an Oscar for 12 Years a Slave. What? Really? So, yes. So um, so he only stayed a year. Mm-hmm. Um, then he went on. But, you know, other classmates that I um, went to school with, um, so Morgan Freeman, he's a documentary of... Um, Steve McQueen, that was those who don't know, I'm talking about Steve McQueen, who, funny enough, you'd think Steve McQueen's you know, the white actor, but he's a black Brit. Mm-hmm. Malcolm Lee is my classmate. Oh, my um, goodness. That's my um, it's Phil Bertelson, um, you know, a black female DP, Sabelle Martin. And, you know, those are kind of, those are very hard to come by. Or yes. Back in the day and even, you know, sometimes today. So um, had a nice amount of, Students, you know, classmates. Yeah, uh, and and Stacy Holman, like, yeah, yeah, her too. They say the best for last. Yes, good, good. I was going to ask you about the diversity, but you just said it. I mean, that had to feel so good to know that you were amongst such greatness and diverse people and like-minded people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it was and it was just. I think what made NYU is so precious too. Was just the community, and because there weren't that many black students um, in any of the the classes, like um, some of my colleagues ahead of me formed thing called league. So anytime like one of my classmates Rod, like he literally saw me down the hallway and just like rushed toward me, like you see black face, you're like, oh my gosh, right, right. And so we started forming this league called the Negro League. So anytime someone from the next <laughs> another year that would come, we would you know, welcome them, kind of say, all right, this is a deal. We'd work on each other's films. Uh, in some cases, some of my classmates wouldn't, couldn't get their colleagues, you know, 
to work or their classmates to work on their films. Mm -hmm. We were there for each other. We would read each other's scripts. We support each other however we can. And, you know, we're all still a very much a close knit even today. So it was, you know, stuff like that is um, really is just what's important in um, what I'm doing is, you know, community, community that's going to support you no matter what. Right, right. So you t- talk about a, a, a lot of the uh, work that you did while you were there. Is it still some of the work that you're most proud of? It is. I mean, I've, I've it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had the privilege. One thing I, I can say is great about NYU is that you walk out with um, with four films um, with the reel automatically, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to having the cachet of, you know, I went to NYU grad film school. But you really you start out ahead in the sense that you have you know films that you can kind of start showing and do the festival circuit that can go national as well as international. So um, you know I had the privilege of just working with some amazing talent. Um, early Nicole Ari Parker, oh, wow. um, yeah, and um, so that was really a gift, you know, to work with people that were kind of up and coming and. Mm-hmm. And you're just, I mean, it's run and gone. It's like gorilla, you know? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. And it's a good reminder because anytime, I mean, you're like, okay, oh, this is tiring. You just look at what the work that you've done and what you would do to create it. And yeah. it's a good reminder. So do you great. Do you feel like uh, you're a role model to other young black women? And I, I would have to tell you this, that I... It was my dream to go to film school. I um, applied to NYU, didn't get in, and I applied to Florida State, and I applied to American and got into American. And a lot of my um, the folks who listen to the podcast know this story, but my mother said I couldn't go to film school. She really didn't have a reason, and I still am hurt by that. So mm-hmm. with you doing all of the amazing work, which we'll get into uh, in just a second, do you feel like you're a role model to other women like me and other young girls? Oh, that's such a big word, role model. Um, um, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's always like, yes, I'm a role model. Like, you know, I say that with such humility. Right. But yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I like, well, let's, I, this is the best way to kind of answer for me. Um, in addition to doing filmmaking, I'm also an adjunct professor at City mm-hmm. College in New York. Um, and Every time, you know, I see a classmate or classmate, a student of color, it's really, it's, I'm excited. Yes. And, and I can see in their eyes that they're excited too. You know, you walk into a class and it's like, I have a black teacher, you know, who teaches me film. Um, So, and I've had some really, you know, amazing students of all ethnicities, but, you know, I'm speaking of the ones that are African-American, obviously, and the black females that have really, um, who I've just seen grown and blossom over a course of 14 weeks. So I do feel, um, in that sense, definitely a role model to kind of see people just seeing them at a certain starting point and just see them at the next level and yeah. to see them cases go on to do film or to do, you know, whatever they want next Yeah, and somehow incorporate what I've taught them. So that's, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. It, it really is. Um, Let's talk a little bit about uh, your some of your current work, um, and and particularly in particular, tell them uh, we are rising, which will debut on PBS uh, February the nineteenth, and yes. you produced on this uh, particular project. Tell us a little bit about it and why you were drawn to this project about HBCUs. Uh, well, director Stanley Nelson. Uh, this is my fourth film with him. Mm-hmm. And- 
And um, when he had mentioned that he was doing a film on HBCUs, I was like, I've, I've got to be a part of it, Stanley. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I have to be a part of it. And it's been several years in the making um, in the sense that you have to raise money, as you know, for films. Yes, yes. So several years ago, I was helping um, with writing some of the grant, like gathering the research and archival material, because you, know, you have to prove to them why you have to tell the story. You know, why should we give you money? Um, so that was, oh my goodness, was that 2012, 2013? My goodness. Um, a few projects <laughs> passed through then. Uh, I had worked on um, <clears throat> Jesse Owens' documentary, also worked on, um, which was also through Firelight, which is Stanley Nelson's company, and also Freedom Summer. Um, and then they got funding for for tell them we are rising yes and um i'm like okay you know i was in i was really excited to um be asked to be a part of it and uh, i felt like i was like the the mascot because i was the only one who went to an hbcu that oh, was oh wow really so stanley went to morris brown for a semester mm-hmm. but i was like okay i gotta hold it down you yes. know so, yes um, and it's, I mean, it was an, it's an incredible um, journey. It took us about a year and a half to, to do it. And that includes researching, that includes doing the interviews, and that includes editing. And I mean, I didn't say I thought I knew our history, yeah. but I did not know our history. And I mean, I think I just had a, a greater appreciation of just what we went through. And mm-hmm. you hear these stories. I mean, my grandparents never did this, but how grandparents will say, you know, I used to walk, you know, 20 miles a day (laughs) through the snow, through a, you know, a hurricane, a tornado, you know, all happening on the same day as they're walking the 20 miles. But the irony of that is that reading, there were a lot of, I think that was the one thing too is beautiful is just seeing the archives and just reading some of the letters that enslaved, um, formerly enslaved men and women would write and talk about just, what they would do just to learn to read and Mm -hmm. um and some of this is discussed in the film but i mean it was just beautiful and it was also and also they would literally talk about how far they would walk like you know this is 10 miles one way to get there and 10 miles back but it just was like you know education of a black person is an amazing thing and also it's a dangerous thing for some people yes Um, and that was one thing just like you know, white America at that time and some white America today, you know, really challenge um, black education and and then higher education. So, you know, uh, I had a chance to to take a peek at, uh, you know, an excerpt from the film. And one thing that resonated with me, uh, you know, when blacks were trying to be educated that, you know, 20,000 people were killed in, in a certain amount of time just to just trying to educate black people. And one of the things that stuck out to me, um, the, the voiceover um, artist says education at that time for some or white people thought that education would unlock something like that, something of greatness of black mm-hmm. people. And that just that just like stirred my soul. But you doing the research, what stirred your, your soul? the most if you had to pinpoint something i know you mentioned the letters but is there something else um i have a story but it moved me the regalness Mm -hmm. and just the pride how everybody looked when they went to school i mean granted that was the time of the day but even in the 40s and the 50s and you know kind of creeping into the 60s just everyone's presentation um 
of how, you know, they looked and just carrying themselves and that pride, um, you know, that was, that was moving. Um, I think too, just, you know, the, the civil rights, um, you know, movement, there's a story in the film, which I won't, um, disclose cause it's, it's kind of a spoiler alert, but mm-hmm. just really the vileness that, um, that some of these schools experience and students experience mm-hmm. to the point of, and that was very like, I never knew that, never heard it, never read about it. Right. Um, a lot of people who are older, never heard it, never read about it. Um, so that was just very like unsettling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did, you know, sitting down with these historians and, you know, all these folks that, that did all this research, uh, for this particular film, who in your mind um, kind of stood out or did everybody pl- play a collective part in this particular film? For the scholars? Yes. yes. Oh. In the, yeah. And then the historians that we that were that spoke a lot during the piece. Um, well, there's James Anderson, who mm-hmm. actually went to HBCU as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's just he's the the godfather of black education. Right. So. Um, I mean, he was just, you know, really just the stories that he told and just his insight that he provided, um, you know, is great. Um, also I love, um, I'm talking about someone else. HBCU is, um, (laughs) oh my gosh, she's at Howard. I'm totally, uh, green, totally drawing a blank on her name. It's okay. It's okay. If you remember, just let me know. I know. Um, to the women, um, I think it's Washington. She's one. She was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Edna, Edna Green Medford, that's who it is. Okay. Um, she was, she's great. I mean, yeah. I think when people can kind of like flow in between, um, just historians, just, you know, I just admire just them. Right, right. They're just like, wow, you know a lot. <laughs> no, it's like they can talk like we talk about like the weather. Right, know? right. Yeah, and you know, in 1776 or in 1884, and you know, I'm just like, I can't tell you what happened in 1984. Yes, right, right. You can tell it so eloquently and just give me dates and names and all the players. But um, you know, there she was great. Um, mm-hmm. Just and you know, she went to uh, Hampton and she went to Howard and also uh, Ron James. Um, I loved him. Um, he talks about. Uh, Thurgo Marshall and uh, Charles Hampton Houston. And um, yeah, there's such a thing. You could have like historian crushes. That would be him. <laughs> <laughs> historian crushes. That's awesome. Now I have my scholar crushes. I'll tell you, you know, there's, <laughs> it would be Ron James because it's like, wow. He's yeah. Just, yeah. I can. Yeah. It's, that's funny. That's funny. So out of all of the work that you have done to this point, what are you most proud of? Hmm. Um, hmm, that's a really, that's tough. Talking about your kids. Like, I mean, <laughs> which child do you like the best? I, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> well, I'll say, okay. I mean, we'll say this one I'm very proud of. Okay. Um, I think just, um, yeah, this one, um, also I've, uh, worked on working, finished, just finished a documentary that I've been working on for a season, several seasons on a group of South African dandies called Mm -hmm. Dress Like Kings. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, the film has been a journey and it's a testimony of how it's got finished and how it's still almost getting, you know, it's still close to being finished. But um, it was my first time on the continent of South Africa, uh, or just the continent, uh, period, and um, just reading a story that I thought just really resonated with me and going there and just finding this story. And that was actually my cachet into really getting into documentaries because a lot of the time I was working um, doing shorts that were narrative. But um, just seeing just how far the apple does not fall far from the tree. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just like in the hostels of South Africa, like, oh, my gosh, that looks like Greg. That looks like, you know, yeah. this person, that person. Um, but I'm really proud of, um, being able to tell a story that really most people don't know, like, and, yeah. but how a lot of us as people of color, African Americans, it's like, it's our uncles, our fathers, our grandfathers, our cousins, our brothers that the story is about. Yeah. Why is, um, why is, uh, telling our stories so important for you? Because, um, no one else is going to tell them the right way. Yes. Um, Come on, and I just slapped my thigh. <laughs> I mean, seriously, seriously. And it's funny because literally for your call, I was reading the article in Variety Magazine with Ryan Coogler and um, I don't mess up his name. Don't even. And he's a, he's a cutie too. <laughs> <laughs> I have star crushes. I have, you know, I have scholar crushes. It's I have okay. But Chad Bussman, he just talks about, you know, they said, you know, could a white director have done Black Panther? And mm -hmm. like, yeah, but, you know, you're going to miss certain nuances. Yes. And, and I think that's why it's important for um, our story to be told and their story to be told by us. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important because what's overlooked is that you think African-American history is just African-American history. But if you look at all of history, who was there, who was present, it's an African-American man or woman. Mm -hmm. um, we are throughout history. Yes. So it's American history. And that's why it's so important that it's told and so important that we tell in our voice um, for that exact reason, because so many nuances, um, so many things may be overlooked and like, yeah, 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 you know, but no, that yeah, 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 is something really important that needs to be told and shared. Yeah. And now you're, are you currently working on uh, Skip Gates' documentary, Reconstruction and the Birth of Jim Crow? Is that, you're currently doing that now? Yes. I just love happy subjects, don't I? But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is like happy, happy, Georgia. So, yeah, we are um, starting right after, right around the Civil War and going up to um, 1915. So, um, and my hours are 1877 to 1896. Okay. And uh, I'm excited because I get to, I mean, I'm telling the story of Booker T and W. Du Bois, mm -hmm. but I'm really excited because I get to highlight Ida B. Wells. Yes. And um, that's, I mean, as you know, there's like a dearth of us that are mentioned in history mm -hmm. and especially even in black history, you know, but she is you know, a fierce woman. Um, and I also have to do lynching, which is kind of depressing. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, talk about like... Yeah, losing your appetite. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I'm really excited about being able to be a part of this project, and I'm even excited too because we get to go down to the um, National Museum of um, Peace and Justice, I think it is, mm -hmm. um, uh, in Alabama, which is really a, a memorial for um, yeah, peace and justice, but also a memorial to um, those who were lynched uh, throughout this country. What is? It, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's it. 
what is the um your research process like? I mean, it obviously is a plethora of information that you have to get, but what is it like for you on a typical day? You're like, you know what I need to do this year. (laughs) It's, um, well, first of all, I'm working from an outline and, um, so it's really like, okay, where do I want to focus on? And it's about, you know, I'm finding a lot of books on a particular period. So I'll just say, um, one, storyline I'm covering is the Exodusters, which is 1879, where, which is the first migration. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, you know, the 20 or the thirties and the twenties, but it was actually in 18. That's what's credited in 1879. And so I'm reading and you know, there's authors that have written on it. Um, I'm talking to scholars in some cases, you know, who've written these books because I just want to get some more insight. And a lot of these books that over some of these books, not a lot of them, but some of these books, um, that have written were people's dissertations and those dissertations were written many moons ago. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want to refresh them on it. And also it's kind of cool because sometimes you, you're kind of pre-interviewing, you're auditioning these scholars. So it's kind right. of cool because oh, they're so much smarter than you, but <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to show me how smart you are. Right. Right. Um, and then also to looking at different archives online, whether it be like Getty, looking at different library collections because, or even the National Archives, um, Library of Congress, because they have just, I mean, it's, yeah, a plethora of things um, mm-hmm. to, you know, to, that are online, but then there's a lot of stuff that's not online. So, yeah, so I'm just, I'm reading that and just trying to find bits and pieces that will kind of help me shape the script, but also too, if there's any images, which is, and that's one of the challenges of doing uh, pieces like this is that you have tons of sketches and um, very little images. Cause you know, photos don't come in, you know, they're around at that time, but blacks, you know, being photographed and us owning cameras. I mean, we really didn't have that kind of money or that kind of access. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's a lot of reading, a lot of reading and taking some breaks. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure it can become consuming. It can. Yeah. And also too, it's just, it's also can be kind of heavy. Like when I was Mm -hmm. reading a lot of stuff on, um, the lynching, um, you know, that's very unsettling and you're just reading the stories of how some of these men and women, you know, were lynched more so some of the men and, um, it's just brutal. It is just absolutely just brutal. And then it's like, Oh, okay. Let me look at the pictures now. And some of the postcards that people, you know, sent, you know, wrote on the back of these cards of people being, you know, lynched. So um, goodness. So when you do all this research about, you know, everything that we as African Americans, as black people have gone through, and then you see, some of not all of us, but you know how things are now with us. How does mm-hmm. that make you feel because of everything that you know? Uh, sometimes I just want to knock someone upside the head and say, yeah, "Do yeah. you know how far your grandfather walked? Do you right. know what your grandmother endured? Do you not know?" Uh, um, it's really it's it's sad, but. I'm also encouraged because I'm in a position um, as a storyteller, um, as a person who's producing content to share with people our history mm-hmm. to really, to say, you know what? Hey, I mean, it's you, there, there's, there's, 
you're an amazing person. You know, your history is amazing and you need to know how amazing you need to be reminded of how amazing you are and, and how far you've come. And also too, the responsibility you have. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all have a responsibility. Um, I mean, I, you know, our ancestors didn't make it through the middle passage for nothing. I mean, reading and then get through slavery and get through, you know, you know, reconstruction or even reconstruction was actually a good time. That's the other thing too. I should say that people think myself included, I mean, it was taught as if it was just horrible, but actually Reconstruction was like great for African-Americans. I mean, that's when we had senators, you know, in Congress, mm-hmm. not also, you know, state representatives and in the House. Um, and, you know, so I think it was, you know, the opportunity to let people know that, yes, we had power and we know our power. And just right. to remind people of, you know, you are amazing and you ha- and know your worth. Mm-hmm. Know your worth. So what's what's next for you? What is when when will I see written, directed, produced ah. <laughs> by Stacey Oldman? Like she's yours. Oh my gosh. Um well I have one idea that I've been um kind of developing with a friend um on um Campus Queens. Oh wow. Um, which I have to admit that I was a campus queen. Come on, campus <laughs> queen. <laughs> yeah, that was Miss Dillard, nineteen ninety three. Yeah, so that was, um, you know, that's that was cool. So that's one idea that has been in development. Um, I because love that. As you know, I mean, you went through Ebony Magazine, right? Oh, you know? yes, of course. <laughs> that was the thing to see the campus queens. It was. It yeah. was like you couldn't wait to get that issue, you yeah. know, it's, you hear stories of people, you know, I decided to go to this black college because their campus queen looked good, you right, know. I right. because, so a lot was riding on those ebony photos, and they were not the best photos sometimes, Not too. back then, you know. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> not at all. So that is um, one thing that I'm uh, developing, and then also I'm working on a short with two other colleagues on the Detroit public school system, okay, okay. and uh, Betsy DeVos and mm-hmm. her and really kind of the damage that she did in Detroit. Um, and But, again, how these mothers um, and fathers, um, African-American, who are like, you know what, hey, this is not the card that, you know, you might have dealt us, but it's not going to be the card we're going to play. Mm-hmm. So um, that's something, you know, to look out for. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, open to what's next. I mean, I think, I mean... I mean, you know, just from being communications major and just from being an artist that, you know, hey, you see something and it's like, oh, this looks interesting. Yeah. Let me do some research and let me start writing. So, um, so I would like to say from my lips to God's ears in the next year or two. How's okay. that? <laughs> that sounds good. I like that. I like that. Well, in spring, was it spring 91 that you became a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated? Yeah. Yes. Did Alpha Kappa Alpha choose you or did you choose Alpha Kappa Alpha? We chose each other. I love it. <laughs> each other. Very nice. So I had um, family, but also um, someone back home in Shaker who's like just so dear to me that she was uh, an AKA. So I was surrounded around AKAs and um, I just knew I was like, oh, so I'm going to pledge and <laughs> went, to the, went to the rush and you know, my sorrows are a little bit unorganized. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, they need me, you know, so. Hilarious. So we chose each other. I love it. I love <laughs> it. I love it. So how many were on your line? You were number nine? As number nine, there were 10 of us. Oh, wow. A nice, small, tight line. Are you guys still close? Um, Some of us are. Some of us aren't. Yeah. So how 
are on your line? Oh, you know, FAMU, big old lines at FAMU. We won't even talk about that until my solo podcast. <laughs> oh. Well, we, yeah, I mean, H, we were like the smallest line ever. I yeah. don't know if, because before that, they had like 30-something. Okay. And then the line after us, it was like literally 30-something. <laughs> oh, was, really? Y'all were a very small line. We were very, very small. Oh, very wow. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. Interesting. I love it though. That's, I mean, Hey, that's, that's your line and that's what makes you special. Exactly. Yes. Yes. What, (laughs) what is your definition of cool? Oh, my definition of cool. That's a good question. Um, my definition of cool is when everything about you is going crazy (laughs) (laughs) and you are able to be cool. (laughs) Yes. Yes, that must be like your life. Yes, because <laughs> things can go wrong in the middle, before, after. So just say losing your head about you when everyone else is living it on you. Yeah, yeah. I guess the film world is—is is, is it like that? It is. Yeah. It, you just, but, but a part of that is that's why I love it. I mean, you just—you never really. I mean, not like I'm welcoming, like oh my gosh, these crazy moments. But it really is a, a test of. Um, of just how you can endure stuff, but also to how creative you can be and also your faith. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I always like to think, you know, people who are in film and arts, I think even if they don't believe, you've got to believe because you have to have faith in half the stuff that you're doing. Yeah. You're like, this is, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I know I need to do it. And it, mm-hmm. you know, and it works out. But, um, but yeah, it can be kind of crazy, but right. exciting at the same thing. Right. When uh, February 19th comes around and everyone looks at this amazing documentary, uh, Tell Them We Are Rising, what do you want them to take away, the most important thing? Um, that's a great question. I want them to take away... Um, uh, hope. Hope. That's hope. good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're so important. And I just hope that, you know, as a whole, we don't we don't um, we don't miss that the importance of, uh, of of who we are. And I think at times we, we forget <clears throat> how important we are. That's true. And then this film is a reminder. Yes. Um, there's one line that is um, always moves me. Um, and it's after they talk about the violent, the violence you were talking about, mm-hmm. and this whole the whole montage of just us looking amazing, looking beautiful, so beautiful. And there, um, a line that um, the person says is like, you know, many of these people, the um, black colleges produced their first set of graduates, many of whom were former and formerly enslaved, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's it's tear jerking it's like oh my gosh like you know literally we are rising <laughs> and i think we are continuing to rise yes you remember to keep rising you know but rise a little bit harder sometimes yeah. but yeah beautiful well i'm i'm so glad that we had the opportunity to talk just you know uh, about this particular documentary and all the amazing things that you are doing uh you are a breath of fresh air Thank you for just being obedient to the call and making these amazing films and producing these amazing films and working with just outstanding people. And we are we are we are forever grateful. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Rashana. Thank you for this opportunity just to, to share um, my experience and just for, hey, thank you for you for doing what you're doing. So oh, it's my pleasure. I'm supposed to be a conduit. So and that's what I'm doing. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much, Stacy, and good luck on everything. Thank you, Rashawn. Have a great one. You too. Hi, I'm Stacey L. Holman, and I'm one of the producers of the PBS documentary, Tell Them We Are Rising, the story of black colleges and universities, which is broadcasting Monday, February 19th, 2018, at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'm a cool soar of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. (laughs) 